From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. The game is years long, not months long. So think long term, think big picture. And that always gives you hope to keep going because if you uh, don't have that vision, it doesn't motivate you. Today on episode 63 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with Craig Chavis Sr. Craig left his corporate job to start his own business, then worked for a vendor for a few years before launching his own business successfully. Being clear on what his skills were and how he could provide the most value as a consultant helped Craig build a successful business. Stay with us to hear all the details. If you'd like to share your story on going solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Craig Chavis Sr. Craig has 29 years of experience with the research, testing, selection, architecture, design, and implementation phases of contact center and real-time communications hardware and application solutions. This includes nine years in customer-facing roles as a sales engineer and solutions architect. Craig, welcome to the show. I can nice talk to you today, David. Thank you so much. Craig, can you explain what your specialty actually means if you're, you're not in this field? Well, what it means is I help businesses improve their contact center environment. So, you know, as a use case, somebody calls into a bank and, and goes into queue to speak to a human being, hopefully. I'm kind of the person that handles the technology from the time the call is received from the company to gets to a person that can help you out. So I, that's what I actually do is, is help them figure out uh, capacity-wise uh, what they need as far as number of calls they want to accept what service they want to offer to a customer, whether it be voice or web chat or even video services to support their customer contacts in different ways of communications. Right. And um, as technology has expanded, I'm sure that the possibilities of the ways this could be done have just increased dramatically. Yes. The biggest shift has really gone from uh, obviously having stuff on premise in a customer's enterprise to uh, cloud offerings and in particular, for COVID, that's really pushed a lot of companies to, whether they be large or small, to move people from their offices because of COVID restrictions to homes. And that's driven a lot of cloud adoptions to allow people to access the services that they need to support customers from their homes. Yes. Since they're not in the office. You know, I was kind of imagining, and, and you know, until speaking to somebody like you, I really don't know the details of, of how this has all worked, but I would imagine that this year in particular, there has been a huge change in the way a lot of these systems work, and companies have probably had to scramble really quickly to get things set up differently. Yeah, well, imagine like this, an analogy I give is a highway. So say you've got a six-lane highway represents the connection to your your enterprise uh, infrastructure to support customer service calls. So now that's all well and good, but now you've got to deal with, I moved all my people out to their homes and now I have built my highway with six lanes, but I need 300 lanes. So I can't scale my capacity on my infrastructure in my office to support that. So when I go to the cloud, that gives me the capacity to expand that highway access from six lanes to 300 lanes so I can support all these connections from my cloud-based application to my home-based agents. And it's cheaper to do it that way and faster versus having to spend a lot of money on investments in hardware and software in a building, which I don't actually need to occupy anymore. So that's the analogy. Mm -hmm. And 
you're doing this in your own consulting business at this point, correct? Correct. So I've got a couple of contracts with some uh, major vendors that I consult and do consultation for their customers to guide them in that journey from on-premise to cloud or even from on-premise to a private cloud, which basically they own everything, but it's it's their own private cloud. They don't uh, have it outsourced in other vendors' environment. Mm-hmm. And when did you start your consulting business? In Officially in 2017, but actually what's interesting is I started my LLC in Ohio in 2012. So I was working for a large insurance company, and I didn't get a promotion, so I decided to establish my LLC back in 2012. But what happened in that transition was a vendor partner that worked with me offered me a position as a architect consultant. So I took that offer, and what I got, gathered from that journey was being on the vendor side, learning how not to do things, how to understand how things are sold, how things are priced, how margins work between what the vendor buys their products for and sells them for, and also what gaps they have. Because a lot of times what will happen is somebody will sell you something and they say, I can do A through F with this technology. And you find out when you start digging under the covers and, and raise the hood up of the proverbial technology car, I can only do A, B, and C. But you're sold something that can do A through F or G. So it kind of helps you figure out how not to do things. And when you deal with uh, vendors from the consultant side, you can kind of understand, peel the layers of onion back, understand, okay, what is being sold here? What is the price I'm paying? What is the contractual language around what I'm being sold? So I can understand, get down to the real benefit for my my client and understand, okay, you don't want to do this or you want to do this because this is the best technology for your business at this point in time. Mm. So initially you were in your career, you were working for the kind of organization that is now your client. And then you you started to go out on your own and you ended up getting a job working for the kind of company that is now on the vendor side. Correct. And in, right. And in 2017, you did start your own consulting business full time. Yes, because I was downsized from that, that company that offered me the position as a uh, consult <laughs> architect. So. You know, that happens in, in corporate America where you get downsized. And I figured it was time for me to go out on my own and uh, be my own boss. And uh, it was the right time, and I was blessed with some opportunities. So, you know, things worked out for me. I can't complain. Right. And given your specialty, how has your business changed this year? I would say through Q1, through mid-Q2, everything was uh, gone pretty well. I did take a hit in, in uh, revenue in July in a little bit of August because a lot of companies were actually were shutting down their projects because of revenue and COVID issues and trying to figure out what they want to do strategically with their technology. But right now it's picking up and there's a lot of uh, demand for my skill set. And I actually have gotten paying by some headhunters for different opportunities, which I don't want to consider. But being an IT at this point in time has been a blessing. I mean, I can't complain because a lot of folks have suffered have lost employment and jobs, and it's uh, kind of scary. So I count my blessings just to be able to have this opportunity to work and and have other opportunities that uh, I could consider. Mm-hmm. Leah, let's talk about getting contacted by by headhunters because you know one of the things that happens when you start a consulting business, um, and this is actually fairly common, is that um, especially in the in the early years, you can get approached by somebody that wants to hire you. And especially if the potential compensation from the job is high enough, it can often be quite tempting. That is true. 
I have considered that, but I'm not afraid to be my own person. And one thing I will say about being your own business person, if you do go back in the corporate world, you have all the background and the ability to actually go back on your, on your own if you have to do so. So that's one thing I can say about having this experience is I'm not afraid to step out on my own if I have to, if the situation presents itself. So that's one thing I think I benefited from having my own consultancy. If I would actually go back into the corporate world, if the, I mean, if the money's going to triple your salary, I think you'd be silly not to consider it. Um, not saying that would happen, but it does help if you have the opportunity. Yeah. And, and what you're saying, Craig, about having the experience of starting your own business once, or I guess in your case, twice, certainly puts you at an advantage to compared to other people if you took a job and then needed to start your business a third time. Correct. But let me let me clarify something. Maybe you can what happened was in twenty twelve I started my LLC, but I never actually made money made any money on it. For five years I didn't make any money on my LLC because I worked for this other company that taught me as an architect consultant and they were a provider of IT services. But in twenty seventeen they downsized quite a few people and I went on my own. So I got laid off in May of twenty seventeen and I got my first revenue in my consulting company, my independent consulting company in November of 2017. But even the fact that you established an LLC in 2012, to me, that says you're becoming an entrepreneur. Whether Correct. you actually made any money doing so, you got a lot further than many people do. Correct. Basically, what had happened, with David, was I got, I worked at this company for about seven years. And when I didn't get the promotion, I was uh, ticked because I had uh, worked in this acting role for about five years. And I've gotten a lot of compliments about my technical ability. And I asked them, okay, now if you create this position that I could fulfill as a permanent architect, do you see me fitting in that role? And they said, yes. But when they posted the opportunity, they already had somebody else selected they want to put in the slot. And I got interviewed for the job, but I knew I, I couldn't get it because of the, of the situation and politics at that time. So I was not happy about that. So that's why I started my LLCs. I knew I had the ability to do the job but it wasn't the right fit for that company that I was working for at the time. And after that, I decided to leave and take this other opportunity that allowed me to uh, gain more revenue and also get experience that I could apply to my independent consultancy when the time was right. And the time was right in 2017. Mm -hmm. And good for you for taking action because uh, many people don't have the courage to do so. Yeah, thank you. But you, you've got to, you know, it's, it's scary. I would say that when I first did my first consulting engagement, with my own company in 2017, my first day or two, I was like, what am I doing? I was going to fire myself. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, this is kind of scary. But after a week or so, I got used to it and got more confidence in it. You know, you make mistakes, you learn where you can improve. And I got paid for the engagement and I was blessed to get another opportunity uh, later on, a month or two later with the current company I consult with now. And it's been a blessing. So I mean, don't be scared to step out on your own if you got faith in your ability. And, you know, you need to be a little bit fearful of doing that because if you don't have any butterflies about being your own business person, I think you have, would have a lot more blind spots in doing so. So you've got to respect the risk you're taking, but also the risk can be very beneficial being your own person. Yeah, anxiety is, is certainly telling you something. Yes, it is. But if you don't have any anxiety or butterflies in doing a lot of things that you haven't done before, uh, I would say you've got to have healthy respect for what you're doing that you don't know about. So you can consider what you don't know. Mm -hmm. it's gotta, and I think the big thing about being in business is not just knowing what to do, but what not to do. Tell me more about that. 
So what I mean is, uh, for instance, if a person sees a process that's being performed in a business and it seems to be failing over and over again, but the business keeps doing it and it doesn't give a good customer experience or it doesn't really bring you revenue, why keep doing that process? Why hide behind that process? I say, for instance, an example of of that would be, and this is this is not business, but governmental process. So when you look at the uh, PPP loan process in the U.S., where folks who were small businesses are trying to apply for it and get any money, but then you have large companies that have big revenue access to capital and credit lines. They got money, and large amounts of money from the PPP program. That's a process to me that, that failed, and you shouldn't repeat that again. And I think that that's an example of something that I feel that it's a process that was put out to benefit certain people, but didn't benefit a lot of people that could have gotten that access to that capital or funding when they should have. Well said. So, Craig, you know, you mentioned that there were, as you were moving forward in your in your own business, there clearly were some things that you didn't know and some things that made you question what you were doing. Where did you go to try to answer some of the questions about what you were doing where you didn't know what you didn't know? Well, I would contact people who have been consultants in the past that I, that I have worked with in my past experiences in IT, either architect or employee for different companies, or I would go to the Small Business Administration or read articles online, Business Week, uh, Wall Street Journal, you know, even Black Enterprise or some other references that may have that. There's different a resource that could do that, but you definitely want to uh, check other people who've done the job before. Other business-centric uh, publications or websites that can help you figure out: okay, how do I pay taxes? How do I deal with healthcare? How do I write proposals? How do I uh, create invoices that are understandable? That's important to to get revenue. Um, how do I document what I've done to make sure that I've delivered and document what I delivered? And also understand how to uh, reach out to your, your current client and say, okay, I've done this work up to this point. Say you got a six-month contract. You're three months in the contract, maybe even two months. How am I doing? Because I can't fix stuff that I'm doing wrong if I don't know I'm doing things wrong. So don't be afraid to ask your, your current clients, okay, I've delivered these deliverables up to a certain point. How have I done this point? If I, is it acceptable? Uh, do you think that we can keep going with the contract? How am I doing to make sure that if I'm doing something wrong, correct it. Or if I'm doing well enough, I can extend my contract based on the, the work I've done successfully for that company. Yeah. How do you ask that question? I ask, simply ask them straight up when I give them deliverables. How does this look? Does it meet your goals? Are there any gaps in the deliverable? Does the, the billing and invoicing match up with what you've received so far? Any issues with that? What I've charged, uh, said I've charged you to what you received to make sure it's a fair and equal balance on both sides. So if I've done a good quality, I'm going to be paid for it, but I'll make sure that if I've not met expectations that I've got to either correct it so I can get paid for that or adjust my charges to, to correct the issue. So I'm looking at the long game with my contracts, not the short game. Not again, they're going to make money after two or three weeks, but build a relationship with it, with that customer, make sure that I do good work and they get good value from my services so we can keep the business going over time. Mm. And what are some of the things that you've learned by asking for feedback? Uh, I would say uh, being more concise in your writing style. Sometimes being more detailed in your uh, documentation of certain technologies. And sometimes just give us a maybe a little bit better vision of what we're doing as far as a roadmap. So I kind of look at a customer as, what well, your business goes for the next one to three years? And I kind of align 
the technology to match up with their business goals for the next three years as far as what they should look at, what they should experiment with, what should they should buy to meet their goals. So it helps them have a defensible argument to go to the front of their uh, management and say, we need $1 million over the next two years to for this technology effort, and this is why we're doing it. Greg, what's some advice you would offer somebody who is not yet a consultant, but who's still an employee, maybe back in the situation you were in in 2012 when you were still employed, who's thinking about um, maybe it's time for me to go out on my own, but they're um, a little unsure about what to do? I would say if you can take some online personality tests to figure out, there's some tests that you can actually go through and answer questions to see, are you really entrepreneurial or more corporate minded as far as your your mindset that helps to kind of flesh out do you have potential uh, mindset or aptitude to, to be an entrepreneur i would also say make sure you understand that there is a a risk as far as you know you can make more money as an independent consultant than you can as an employee but the trade-off is health insurance wise as a risk you take because health insurance does cost more to be considered also make sure you definitely look at different retirement options. So as far as, so, you know, corporate America, you have 401ks or maybe even, I forget the other term, maybe it's Roth IRA, excuse me. Make sure you look into things like a SEP IRA because that helps you set aside retirement income pre-tax and it helps you reduce your income because you can benefit tax law-wise in the year to, to actually reduce your income by contributing to a SEP IRA. So take advantage of all the, the tax laws that allow you to save for retirement, take tax benefits and help you build a nest egg while you're an independent consultant. Because a lot of folks don't do that. That's one thing you got to make sure is take that revenue and leverage the tax laws to reduce your tax exposure by getting a benefit of saving for retirement. Yeah, one one of the things I'm hearing from you in, in uh, a lot of what we've discussed is think long-term. Correct. In everything. Because, you know, even though, you know, I'm in my um, mid-50s, you got to think the game is years long, not not months long. So think long-term, think big picture. And that always gives you hope to keep going because if you uh, don't have that vision, it doesn't motivate you to keep going because some of us can, can keep going for quite a few years. We still have a lot, a, uh, a lot of time to work. And one of the things my parents used to tell me, even though I got snow on my roof, I still got plenty of fire in my furnace. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that means that you can have many productive years doing things that you uh, want to do and have aptitude and love to do. Absolutely. Craig, what's your vision for your business? Where do you want it to go? I want it to go to more cloud-based design and architecture. And I want to get to the point where I can monetize some deliverables where I can create some things and, and sell them to other businesses to help them drive their technology visions. So uh, some templates and some models to help them figure out, okay, this is what we should do over the next one to three years to uh, drive our technology and improve our customer experience. Because a lot of people complain about, yeah, I contacted this company, but they they sucked at helping me out. And I want to help mitigate that by helping companies figure out how do you best service your customers that spend money with you. Right. Sounds good. Well, Craig, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to uh, have this conversation today and explain a lot of the nuances of your story. 
and uh, why you made certain decisions, what's been helpful to you as you've made the transition from employment to entrepreneurship. If anybody wants to go deeper with anything that we've discussed, access any resources you have or get in touch with you, where's the best place to do that? Oh, they can reach out to my email address at uh, chavaconsulting at com, which I'm sure you can put it up on your uh, website. That's a long email address. Right. We'll put it in the show notes. Yes, that's a thing, way to get a hold of me is via email. So at least I can document what's going on and keep up with it. Sounds good. Well, Craig, I w- again, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us today. My guest today has been the principal consultant at Chave Consulting, Craig Chavis Sr. Thank you again, Craig, for joining us. All right. Thank you, David. Have a good day and stay safe. This COVID stuff. Yep. You too. All right. Bye-bye. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned why you need to have faith in your consulting abilities and much more. If you'd like to share your story on Going Solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.